0: welcome to the heroes of reality podcast a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience let's jump in with our host dylan watkins as he introduces today's guest
1: i have a super interesting podcast for you today uh, are you into video games changing the world dungeons and dragons and all of that jazz well on today's podcast i have hank rogers He is an international gaming phenomenon to game-changing initiatives, Dutch-born entrepreneur and innovator, and he continues to pave the pathway in regenerative homes for our planet. He started off in the video game space. He got a a degree not only in computer science, but also minored in Dungeons and Dragons in Japan. Uh, Along that, he built a number of video games. I think his 20th was a, a tiny little game called Tetris. You may or may not have heard it. From that path onwards and outwards from there, he created a mobile company, uh, he had a heart attack, and then he found some epic missions. One of the missions being is the is the biggest mission, and I've had a lot of pod- heroes in this podcast with epic missions. This is the biggest mission I have ever heard of, and I don't think it can get any bigger. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Hank Rogers. Hey. Thanks for having me. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on and wrap with you. We we just had a couple of quick uh, talks right before we jumped into this meeting, and you were saying some incredible stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm trying not to have a podcast before the podcast. Let's get into this. Uh, and I'm, I'm just really excited to have you on. So just to kind of recap, as I don't believe that my intro did you just uh, justice. Uh, on can you give me just a bit of your background that kind of led you up to where you are today
0: yeah so um, I, you could say I'm back in New York now by the way uh, I went to junior high school and high school in New York mm. I'm originally from the Netherlands um, my Dungeons and dragons period was uh, in Hawaii yeah. uh, I went to University of Hawaii that's where I majored in computer science and quote-unquote minor than uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, and then six years later, his personal computer came out in Japan, and I wrote the first role-playing game in Japan called the Black Onyx. Yeah. And it was the number one game in Japan in 1984. Uh, I self-published, so I ended up with a publishing company. Then I got into publishing computer games, published a whole bunch of games, used to go to uh, travel around the world looking for games to bring to Japan. Is my, is your, my Am I frozen on your screen? No. no, it's just only, only mine. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, and I found a, a little game called Tetris at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas in 1988. 1989, I went to the Soviet Union to uh, uh, get the Game Boy rights and license them to Nintendo. And the movie about that story is coming out in March. It's, oh, it is? Uh, oh, yeah. There's a movie about me going to um, uh, Moscow and getting the Game Boy rights. Um, starring uh taron edgerton who plays me uh it was you know pretty big deal it's a hollywood production 80 million dollar production um about me going to get the tetris rights anyway fast forward um i end up uh, partnering with the the owner of or the creator of tetris he's my partner till today um i started a mobile phone game company when mobile phone games became a thing in uh in the u.s in in 2002 sold mm-hmm. that company three years later um had a heart attack found my missions in life bought a ranch and now i'm on my missions in life
1: <laughs> i love it oh it. it's so fun it's such a fun passionate journey of what you like i mean all that stuff is the one you've you've talked about a, a very eclectic cutting edge. Cause at the time right now, like if you think of those role playing games, common nowadays, Tetris really common, but you're at this the interesting bleeding edge of this technology, even going into the mobile games when that just became a thing, are you are you still at the edge of technology? Is there any of the technology that excites you these days? Um, so
0: I'm in, uh, you know, as part of my mission number one, which is to end the end use of carbon-based fuel, um, I ended up being in the energy storage business so I'm in the bleeding edge, as you call it, of of, uh, of energy storage. Mm. Um, I'm I'm doing uh, non toxic, non flammable batteries, for example. Yeah. Um, and we're working on software that that manages, you know, microgrids, and it, it basically manages the energy. Um, that's how you become more efficient. Um, the problem with most um, Uh, renewable energy is it's intermittent like wind and solar they're intermittent so you've got to capture it while it's going and then use it when it's not going that means an energy storage Mm. so that's the thing that's still expensive you know wind and solar have gotten cheap energy storage is still expensive so we're working on that
1: oh that's awesome and with the energy storage side of things are these like hydrogen batteries or like what is it what does it look like to be able to store them store the so
0: if you if you look at your um, at my Tesla, your Tesla or your, your your phone, they're lithium nickel cobalt manganese, nickel mm. cobalt manganese. That's a volatile combination. If you puncture it, overheat it, overcharge it, it'll catch on fire. And this is not a fire; they're like fireworks. In other words, there's nothing you can do to turn it off once it starts. It creates its own oxygen. Uh, the, the um the stuff that i'm using is lithium ferrous phosphate iron phosphate and there's absolutely nothing you can do to it that would make it catch on fire mm. and and they last twice as long uh they're just a little bit heavier and bigger so they're not going to appear in cars and 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 phones uh, but for stationary storage like homes or businesses it's it's just fine. so um, yeah that's the business i ended up in yeah and, and it's Blue. called, by the way, it's called Blue Planet Energy.
1: Blue Planet. All, Energy. all
0: my all my companies are Blue Planet something or other. I get that. <laughs> I get that from uh, uh, from Rich, Sir Richard Branson, who called sure. all of his companies Virgin's something Virgin, you know, a <laughs> Virgin something.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 amazing that you've been able to come along the path, and then now you're. I mean, you're, what you're talking about is is a is a is a, is a mission that could help. Save society, and that's one of the biggest challenges we have right now. I mean, that's a huge one of the biggest challenges we have is consuming energy because we are dependent on it. And 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 I feel sometimes people feel somewhat powerless because, like, what can I do? I'm just one drop in the ocean. What? I, how do I make a difference? Right? There's there's no hope. And I think that people feel that sense of hopelessness, it's like like playing a video game that doesn't give you any feedback. Right? There's no, there's not that. What What would you say to people? Um, about the, the energy and, and things that they can do. And w- what about that would give them some, um, motivate them to take some sort of action?
0: Okay. So when I decided to end the use of carbon-based fuel, yeah. I decided that I lived in Hawaii at the time. So I, before I ask other people to clean their room, I have to clean my own room. And I knew nothing about energy or sustainability or any of that stuff. I just read an article in the newspaper after I had my heart attack and it said, oh, by the way, we're gonna kill all the coral in the world by the end of the century. And like, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. No, we're not. And so what's causing that is carbon dioxide being absorbed into the ocean. Mm-hmm. What's causing that? We are. And so, okay, fine, let's uh, stop doing that. So end the use of carbon-based fuel. So I set about doing that in Hawaii, created the Blue Planet Foundation. We tried everything. I mean, we had no I, I had no idea what to do, how to go about doing this. I just went about doing it. And um, about six years into it, we managed to pass a piece of legislation. We're the first state in the country to have a mandate of one hundred percent renewable energy by any date. Ours was twenty forty five it was sort of a negotiation between us who wanted 2040 and the politicians who were ready to give us 2050. We settled at 2045. Fine. Two years later, California copied us. So they have 100 percent by 2045. And I mean, like, if you ever think like I worked hard to get Hawaii to do it and then California flipped. ho, oh, that's magic. Yeah. If I had started in California, it would have been a huge lift. But I started in Hawaii, which was for me, because I started from zero, pretty big lift, uh, 12 other states and territories now have this have a mandate of 100% of renewable energy, including New York and Illinois. So we're covering already 51% of the U.S. population with a mandate. Now, here's the deal. If you don't have a deadline, nothing's going to happen. You know, you can spin wheels, spin, wheel, spin wheels, spin and, wheels, and, and it's like, yeah, we're doing our best efforts, this and that. But if you don't have a deadline like if you're not going to get your ass kicked if you don't have that report in, you know, by the end uh, end of the semester, fail. Okay? Guess what? It's going to get done. You need that you need that urgency. And you know, on on the issue of hope, people ask me if I have hope and I say, "No, I don't have hope. I have determination." There's a difference.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like you 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 fall off the side of a of a boat, you're in the water. It's sink or swim. You're not going to be like, "Hope isn't going to f- freaking help you you have to be determined you have to save yourself you have to make the decision i'm going to survive and do whatever it takes for me to survive and that's Mm. what we all need we just need to make up our minds that we're going to survive this
1: Mm. that's it absolutely it's that decision and what it sounds like is you have a history of, of doing things that people think are you know uh not common right We'll just put it that way. Can you tell me about a time, that you know, where you, I, I call these threshold guardians, where you try to do something like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this big, epic thing. And then something really kicks you in the teeth and goes, do you really want to make it happen? Because I think I'd love to get any kind of story around that. You're talking about a time where you had to persevere per- through something that was a challenge that really kind of, because this is in oh, brain, in a, in a, in a, mind tons, mindset tons of it. things, but here, uh, yeah. you
0: know, and yeah. this is part of the movie, you know, is, is so. Um, I got wind that somebody else was going to try to get the Game Boy rides, Uh and, and so I got on... Two days later, I got on a plane to Moscow with a tourist visa. Now, this is like going to North Vietnam and trying to talk to somebody in a ministry. It's highly illegal. You're wow. not supposed to talk to anybody. I mean, you know, Russians aren't supposed to talk to foreigners at that point in time. And so I went there on a tourist visa. Uh, it took me a couple of days to find the the, the right door. I, I hired an interpreter and got got to the door. And she said, "You can't go in there." I said, "What do you mean you can't go in there? I can't go in there." And she said, "You're here on a tourist visa. You, you you don't have an appointment. You there's you know you have to have credentials and you have to be be invited." I said, "You know what? I didn't come all this way to stand in front of a door. Fly back to Japan to get a goddamn visa." And so I said, I'm going, I'm going in. Are you coming with me? And she said, no, I can't. I said, okay, (laughs) you stay out here, I'll be back. And I walked in through that door. And, you know, that door could have been a door to a gulag. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I was doing something very, very naughty. I wasn't supposed to talk to anyone. I was asking the people that I was going to talk to also to break the law by talking to me. And we did all that. This is right at the, the onset of Glasnost and uh, Perestroika, Perestroika. So it was a very exciting time.
1: Wow. And so from that, going through that door, th- that lead to the opportunity of getting the rights to, to the, the Game Boy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. I stood in the, I stood in the lobby. And there's a guy with a window with uh, you know the official kgb whatever crap on his head yeah. and waiting for me to go over to him and give him my credentials which i didn't have any so i just stood there and waited till somebody who spoke english came to me and talked to me and i said hey, i'm here to talk about the game boy rights to this game that i'm publishing in japan and um guy comes down the stairs a little while later he says who are you? And I said, yeah, I'm the publisher of your of your game in Japan. And he looked at my box and he said, you know, what what machine is this for? I said, it's for the Nintendo. It's for a console. And he goes, we never license the, the console rights to anyone. And I'm going like, holy shit. Not only am I like breaking the law by busting into his, his ministry, but here I am. I've got a product that I'm selling in, in Japan. And I borrowed $2 million from the bank using my in-laws' property as collateral. <laughs> <laughs> to make cartridges. So, yeah, I was in deep kimchi, but I, I, I pulled it off. I said, you know, yeah. OK, I'd like to come back tomorrow because I didn't think that the right people would be in the room. Come back tomorrow and uh, talk to somebody about these rights. And he said, OK, come back tomorrow. So that when he said come back tomorrow, that was the official invitation in my in my yeah. mind. He said, you come back tomorrow. I said, fine, coming back tomorrow. That's when I met Alexei. And if you want to know the rest of the story, watch the movie.
1: Watch the movie. Watch the movie. I love it. I love it. That's it's awesome. Tetris.
0: It's called Tetris, and uh, it's coming. It's on Apple. Apple oh. funded a movie.
1: And, and so it'll be coming uh, on, on the Apple TV. Um, parts, and-
0: who knows? I mean, knows? If, they want, if they want an Oscar for anything, they need to premiere it in a movie theater somewhere.
1: Yeah, but I mean, but right now the online digital space, I mean, it is the it is the movie theaters these days. I mean, so many people it's uh, it's way more common that way. And so that's that's awesome. That's incredible. I mean, um and then what how did the how did the movie come about to be? Like I mean, that seems Oh, it's
0: you know, it's uh, I get I think the origin was that there's a documentary on the BBC called From Russia with Love, which Somebody watched and they say, "Well, this would make a great movie," and they picked up the uh, the option, the movie. And this mm. is already years ago. And uh, the original director was going to be Ron Howard. I was in a room with wow. Ron Howard talking about, <laughs> you know, about the movie. But then the guy who optioned it, he was like another Epstein. He, you know, he got he he went down oh. with the Me Too movement, and so the option kind of floated around and finally got picked up. Wow. And, uh, so yeah.
1: What advice would you give to say uh, young entrepreneurs or game producers or anybody that's in the space that are trying to make the moves that you that you've made in the past?
0: Don't be afraid to fall off your board. You know, I always compare to uh, surfing. Yeah. You know, you you basically every surfer fell off his board a hundred times or a thousand times for the times that he actually surfed, and so that that the experience of getting up and paddling then getting up and surfing you got to do it you got to try it over and over again and uh, if you want to surf bigger waves you got to go in when there's bigger waves you got to surf the bigger waves now uh, business opportunity doesn't come every day yeah so there there are you know there are times when there are waves and there's time when it's flat don't mm. try to sell start some business you know, you got to, yeah. you got to, you got to recognize, but in order to be able to catch that big wave, you have to have fallen off a couple of smaller waves before, you know, unless you're freaking Zuckerberg or, you know, there's like outliers or Musk who never makes a freaking mistake. But what I'm, what I'm saying for ordinary humans, you know, try it, fail, get up, try it again, mm. fall off your board. You know, like I failed probably five times for every time that I had a success, maybe more. Wow.
1: That's the thing. I think, f- oftentimes for myself, I realize that like there's this quiet desperation of tr- of wanting to do something, but that the fear of fear, of, the fear of judgment, the fear of what people are going to say, and then you don't take that step, or I don't take that step, and then there's that regret. So I love the I love that giving yourself permission to be able to take that brave step forward. Um, small small note on this topic. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask you a piece of uh, a question specifically for myself on on things, and we're gonna jump back to your journey because I want to I want to talk about some other things, but just taking the moment. So. I build virtual reality video games and transformational things that help people get better. I've done it for nonprofits and incarcerated kids and also the jazz. And I'm releasing a game uh, this on Friday. I'm submitting it to Oculus, Meta, whatever you want to call them. It's it's wacky and wild and different. It's one half uh, first-person arena shooter, one half meditation app. So you shoot your friends in the face with a rocket, and then you go and meditate about it in a very interactive virtual reality kind of way. So it's wildly different than anything else. And there is a chance that I can fall off my surfboard by coming out with something like this. What uh, what advice would you give me around this topic?
0: Yeah, um, don't expect to <clears throat> hit a home run every time. Basically, uh, and I got this advice from somebody else in the business, You know, just try to hit a single. Yeah. If, you, if you hit a single uh, somebody will make a mistake somewhere and it turns into a home run and you won't know which one which single so rather than s- swinging for the for the i gonna the wall and yeah. just like uh-huh. trying to kill it just swing at it and and don't like i don't know don't exert yourself <laughs> just <laughs> just be chill about it and um, you know either it happens or it doesn't the Greeks had it right they 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 said you know it's it's not about you the gods are the ones who are playing this game you're just a pawn so mm. if you make a mistake or if it didn't work then you can say well the gods they screwed up it wasn't me I'm just I'm just the the avatar I'm just the, the the player character in this game there's somebody controlling me in the back yeah so and you know that's what VR is all about is is there's somebody uh, somebody out there controlling that controlling uh, you know neo (laughs) and uh yeah you don't even know it
1: yeah have you have you had a lot of experience with virtual reality have you oh yeah oh yeah oh my goodness (laughs) can you you tell me about I,
0: i you know i um hasbro tried to come up with a vr machine in the early 90s and uh you know this is back when we were developing on uh uh no was it um it was before things were done on, on Microsoft. Were, I, I forget what the name of the, the machine was. But anyway, um, yeah, we, we developed a bunch of titles. Uh, I mean, we mean the industry. Yeah. Uh, and it was supposed to be for a headset, but they never came out with it. So it, it kind of died there. Um, I, gosh, what's the next time? But, but I, I actually have my own VR company called uh, Avatar Reality, Nothing to do with the movie Avatar. Um, I, my my opinion was that mm. the environments were getting better, but the uh, the NPCs were crap, and I think they still are. They're sort of empty hulls. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because um, my granddaughter called her father an NPC, and he <laughs> called me an NPC. <laughs> not player character. So to say is, You're not really present. You're just oh, acting like God. you're present, but you're not really present. It's like, oh wow, an NPC.
1: Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's, it's brutal. That's yeah, so funny. It's true. <laughs> brutal. Yeah. Sometimes people get that at like when you're working at like a store or something too, where people's like, I right, next, next." They're just yeah. tuned out, oh, right? yeah. There's, oh yeah. There's no. There's no depth. To the person there's no oh, there's wow.
0: no depth yeah oh, it's boy. like oh my gosh and it's not that hard hello are you kidding me we have all this ai stuff going on we could have npcs that could totally fool you into thinking they're real people
1: yeah well have you ever thought about like the? i mean because you you, you role playing games dungeons and dragons virtual reality there seems to be this 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 desire to go into this future this ready player one type of future place where you can lose yourself and do you, what do you think is i mean like what do you think is the gap that's going to get us from from where we are now to, to to that type of reality
0: Hmm. well okay so i've always maintained that uh, that my player character my character in a game is the dumbest character in the entire universe but why is because if i walk away from the keyboard he or she just stands there and gets her ass kicked by the npcs why can't he lift a sword or 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 do something to defend himself? why Why doesn't he have any uh, semblance of brains? You know, so I, what I really think that the future is is that you have a character inside of a virtual world, and that character, uh, when you're not controlling him, is moving around and doing his own thing,
1: mm. having
0: his own adventures. And then when you come back, You can say, hey, what happened? And then he can tell you, oh, yeah, I went there and I did that and so on and so forth. Then you have a conversation. Then the character doesn't become an empty shell. It becomes a a character like Hercules and Zeus or Hercules and whoever, one of the gods that, that, you know, Hercules wasn't being controlled all the time. Every once in a while, God would say, hey, Hercules, I think you should do that. Go take out that dragon or whatever. You know, and Hercules had free will. He could say, hey, screw you. I'm not doing that. That's bullshit.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. I, that's know. interesting. It makes, it makes me think about almost like if you had a, like, you, so you have your uh, Hank Rogers uh, NPC AI running around for you and you're coming back and you're powering. Maybe you're just influencing, like, hey, you should probably go left. And he looks back and says, no, oh, no, I'm going to go right, bro. And it yeah, up on you his know, own yeah.
0: so you get that's, to be, the, you know, the, like the little character on the shoulder trying to influence him. Maybe you have to convince
1: them. You no, know? mm. so you can't like,
0: yeah, I'm not going to die for you. I'm sorry. This is, a, I'm have in a you game had, I, I have my own. Life. I have a girlfriend. This might, be a game. I, I, this might be a game for
1: you, but this is my life. Yeah, yeah. Have, have you had a, uh, uh do you have a a mind-blowing VR experience at all? Is there, because uh, this is going into one of the groups with like 44,000 VR users. Has there been a moment in VR that you tried out that kind of shifted your perspective at all?
0: I hate to say this, but not yet. <laughs> I'm I, I'm, you know, I, I I'm totally convinced that it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. I haven't had my neo moment where I'm like, shoot, is this am I really here? You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't had that yet. Um so and and you know, part of it is a lot of the VR stuff, I mean, I hate to say this, but including yours, like you shoot your friend in the face, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's not really what I want to do in real life. So why Mm. would I want to do that in VR? You know, and I, I went through this period where I was like, okay, so all these things that we're creating, there's some version of hell, you know, kill, 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 die, kill, 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 die.
1: Mm. You know I
0: mean? Like if you, if that was your life, it would suck. If that's, if, if that's all you ever got to do is shoot people and then die and then get up and shoot people and then die again. That would be really uh, a boring life. So, you know, uh, until VR gives us the opportunity to do some of the more interesting things that we could do uh, in in a virtual world, possibly things that we can't do in the real world because we're just not smart enough or we're not powerful enough or we're not fast enough or we can't fly or we can't do this or we can't do that. All these things are possible in virtual reality. So what computers are supposed to do is make us a hundred or a thousand times more powerful. And so what do you do with that power? Do you use it to kill people or do you use it to do something really interesting, Mm -hmm. explore the fourth dimension? God knows what, I mean, we have to invent these things. And, you know, so I I really think that we're right at the very beginning, you know, we're still at the beginning where where kids are running around with little guns and bang, bang, you're dead, you know, that kind of thing. We get over that and now there's lots of other things that are so much more interesting yeah. uh, than that out there
1: it's interesting when you talk about that i often think of this podcast is dedicated to heroes of reality life, technology and business and power heroes have great power but so do villains and it's just do you use it to serve yourself or use it to serve others and what you're talking about there if you think about video games it makes you more powerful and then, what do you do with the, the inside the video game? Do you use it to be the villain of the story? Do you use it to be the hero of the story? And it's really interesting to think about and reflect. But there is, does seem to be a cycle of mm, awakening, evolution, whatever you want to call it where people go along the path and it is fun where you get those jump scares and first person zombie shooter games and then you get bored of that and you're looking for things that are more advanced more interesting more reflective those 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 aha mind-blowing moments in vr that shifts your perspective and i think there are they are out there along the way it's just waiting until you find it one of mine was coming across another human for the first time inside a virtual reality and realizing that they're a person now, I it was in a giant toy room demo, so I just ended up throwing a bunch of crap at them and giggling the whole time because it was fun. Mm. But, but the question is, like, yeah, if you, if 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 is the purpose of video games? Like, what is the purpose of video? Games? Is it is it just for play? Is it to, to learn and grow? Is it to make people become more powerful? Do you have a I, thesis around this?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, so, if you if you you know ask what is the function of sports, it's like a lot of wasted energy. Uh, that makes you physically fit and all that. And if you go back in time, like the 1800s uh, or the 1900s even, you probably were preparing yourself for a lifetime of physical labor, because a lot of work was physical labor. You know, moving moving stuff around the world, physical labor. So a sport was something really good that you did as a teenager, which prepared you for a lifetime of physical labor. But here's the future. The future is not physical labor anymore because physical labor is done by machines. The future is about mental labor. It's about it's about creating things or doing things that are probably not real. And so uh, by playing computer games, we we are preparing ourselves so kids are preparing themselves for a world that they're going to work live and work in in the future. So I mean, they're preparing them, we don't realize it. And when parents say, oh, we got to keep our kids from playing too much games because blah, 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 you know, um, actually, they're actually preparing themselves for a lifetime of having to do that.
1: Uh, it's <laughs> interesting. So because we live in a digital era, digital play prepares you for the digital world. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this whole new advancement? I mean, I'm sure you've heard about chat GPT, open AI, all that fun stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about when i when I talk about that at all?
0: Yeah, I do I do. I do. It's fascinating. I love it. It's uh yeah. it's a brave, it is a really brave new world and it's it's uh, it's really scary. You know, like uh, you know, we are if if the AI starts taking over creation or creative stuff, ho. What's there, what is there left for us to do?
1: Well, and you know, that's what you're talking about right now, right? Because you said t- labor used to be really expensive and with tools and all the things that we've created, labor is cheap, almost free to a degree with automation and that kind of stuff. Mental work was what we're preparing for. And that's what triggered me when you're talking about that. You talked about play is preparing us for this mental work in this digital space. But I've seen with people that one of the common things when I go to show off this uh, AI chat GPT to people and I show them, uh, some of the things it can do. the first question is like is this going to replace me? how do I not make that happen? And so what does that look like? What are your thoughts around the the concerns that a lot of professionals have, whether it's creative or you know professional work like what what's the what's the next bastion for mankind
0: well, yeah, there is no um there is no um how can I say you can't say uh, to AI you can't do that because, ai is not listening to you it's just like try to tell your your kids don't do that guess what they're going to do that um so yeah i mean wh- where where does that end and uh, that is a that is a scary thing well for me um i'm you know mission number three <laughs> mission number one this is, is to end thing. use of carbon-based fuels number two is to end war Uh, Uh, number three is to make a backup of life by going to other planets. And I, I think that that one is the, is an interesting one because, um, when we go to other planets, we get to create all kinds of new societies. And I give you an example of a new society. Burning Man is a new society. I go to Burning Mm -hmm. Man. I've been to the 11, now 12 of the last 14 burns and, and people go there and become different people. you could go to another planet become a different person and have a different kind of society society where there's no money where there's only gifting or whatever it is and so we can create other planets with other societies and with or without ai or whatever and uh, yeah it's very possible that ai takes over this planet and squashes us but if we're everywhere then it won't Mm -hmm. so we need to get off. we some of us need to get off planet (laughs)
1: so absolutely have you i I have a i have a follow-up question i'm gonna ask you this other question i want to jump and then after that i'm going to ask you about your fourth mission but before i get into before i open up that can um i want to i want to talk about this have you talked to elon musk at all about the backing up planets or a backing up life by going to? i know
0: i've I've talked to his people you know Mm -hmm. the um uh spacex guys yeah um you know i i'm friends with number two who's also a burner um, and, uh, you know, I asked him, so, do, so does Elon have any interest in building a moon base? Cause I, I feel the first logical step has to be building a moon base cause it's right next door. It's only three days away. Whereas Mars eight months, and then you have to wait six months for the earth to come around before you take the eight month trip to come back. Ho, oh, that is a long ass time. 22 months and resupply. Forget about it. Your next resupply is two years from now. Uh whereas the moon we can send people all the time. It, it, it's only three days away by 1960s technology. So um he said he said that we we can land you 150 tons on the moon and fly back without refueling. 150 tons. And I said, Does anybody come up with 150 ton payload? Uh no. Uh that means no one's good plan to make a, to build a moon base because that's the only thing you need 150 tons for. Wow. So I mean we really need to to get off planet to have that back up. and once if we learn how to live on the moon then we can live on any any planet the the moon is as hostile as they get mm. you know uh, uh, by by comparison you know mars is much nicer there's actually uh, you know there's actually a little bit of atmosphere there it's mostly carbon dioxide mm. but it's still a little bit of atmosphere the moon you got nothing zero yeah. And you know, like once we, once we f- discover exoplanets, meaning planets around other stars that look mm. like they have water, oh, guess what's gonna happen then? We are gonna def- figure out space drive. There's no reason for us to, de- to develop, you know, warp drive or whatever it is right now. But if we see something out there, I mean, it's like, it's like knowing that Hawaii exists Hey, now we got to build a boat that can actually get us to Hawaii. That's that's You the need impetus. that flag in the
1: sand, right? You need that. You yeah. need that. You need that goal to hit to to drive you to where you need to go. Um, I think it's the, and have you? I mean, are you fascinated with like the James Webb Telescope at all? I don't know if you because I know that's – Are that's, you
0: kidding me? It's so amazing the stuff that's coming back from James Webb. Oh. <laughs> And you would think that it, that, that it kind of, uh, eliminates the earthbound telescopes, but no, yeah. that's not at all. I'm good friends with the, uh, the guy who, um, uh, director of Keck, which is the largest telescope in, in Hawaii in the world. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, they were talking, they, they have different wavelengths, first of all, that they perceive. Um, and so if James Webb, the other thing with James Webb to turn that thing, it takes fuel oh and there's no refueling that thing oh. so it only has what it has so if uh supernova goes off in that direction and james Webb is looking at that direction they're not going to like use up a crap load of fuel to turn that thing around they c- carefully plot where it's going to look so that they use as little fuel as possible so they pick those targets and it moves little by little uh, earth-based telescopes rah! you know they can just look instantly at something new. And so it's, you know, they're, they're you know, yes you can pick an object. Yeah. Uh, and and get a wonderful view of it, but you can't just flip around and say, "Hey, you know, what? there's a collision happening on Jupiter. Oh, we want to see it." Nope.
1: So we have the the world's greatest magnifying glass or telescope, but we can only point it in one direction right now. Our limited scope. Kind
0: of view. kind yeah. of we, yeah. can, we I mean the more fuel you waste, the the fewer mm-hmm. things you
1: get to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tr- it's a balance. There's no no free lunch, no free energy. Yeah. Yeah. Not not yet. Not without the whole fusion fusion thing going on, so
0: There you go. It's still yeah. uh yeah, it's still um uh what do you call it?
1: volatiles <laughs> yeah. that we use 100%. So, I want to talk about your fourth mission. Can you share with us what your what your fourth mission is?
0: Yeah, my fourth mission is to find out how the universe ends and do something about it.
1: to find out how the universe ends and do something about it. I just want to, okay, please continue.
0: Yeah, so I mean, like, it's, it's, uh, and I I have, the other three are kind of logical, and this one's not logical, because, Mm. like, what the hell can we do about, you know, and uh, the end of the universe? What can we do about actually ending the use of carbon-based fuel? But actually, we can, you know, and then we don't know that we can. But maybe this mission came to me Uh, you know, some alien race somewhere, um, basically, um, sent me telepathically this message saying, Hey, you know, the tipping point is coming soon. You guys better get some technology together and so on. It's the focus of my first game, by the way, the black onyx. So the black (sighs) onyx, the black onyx, uh, was that some alien race had figured out, um, that the universe was going to end in a, in a big, I could say a big collapse And because there was too much mass in the universe. Yeah. And so what they did was uh, these great engineers and some alien, whatever, uh, brought together all these um, black holes and made a super, super massive black hole that contained a quarter of the mass of the universe. And they built a shield around it, a gravity shield. And that basically stabilized the universe. So it would last for, you know, forever. I mean this is what we try to do we try to live longer you know we went from being from dying at 30 40 50 60 now we're dying at 80 90 100 and so it's all about creating expanding our lifetime but the lifetime of the universe it's not only about us it's about everything in the universe yeah i mean all of it
1: so um and and how to do that i don't have no idea I love that you said it though. And I love how you, you said it. and I and I didn't know if that was something along your path that you said, okay, well I've accomplished all these big things. So I'm just gonna set a ridiculously big goal because I've come so far along the path. But you had that way back when when you made the role playing game, which is incredible. And and was that that mission was was that when the first well that idea came into your head? It wasn't before? a mission. It yeah. wasn't
0: a mission back then, you know, like I, I, I found all my missions after I had my heart attack
1: you know mm, that's
0: okay. that's that's where they came in i was like i gotta do something before i die what is it what do i have to do and what's it gonna what is it that's gonna piss me off if i didn't do something when i actually die you know that that's yeah.
1: where those came about you said something really interesting um we actually met um at at burning man you were giving one of the talks i thought it was inspirational and you said something oh. uh, about your missions that made me kind of stop and he you said you're like i maybe pick this last mission about finding what the universe how it's going to end and do something about it because maybe it just makes every other mission small and more achievable because it's so big
0: when you when you think about it
1: yeah Yeah,
0: it's you know like we we look at at things like end use of carbon-based fuel or end war Mm -hmm or make a backup of life. And we think, oh, those are just big, unattainable goals and all that. They make, you know, we look at them and they're so big, but I mean, is just like us thinking, oh, the earth is so big and it's like infinitely big and we can just do whatever we want. It doesn't have any repercussions. Uh, it is not infinitely big and whatever we do does have re- repercussions. And when we, the sooner we realize that, the sooner we can stop having those, doing those things that have those repercussions. And, you know, um, yeah, you've got to take those things in perspective Um, in, in terms of like geologic time, the time that we've been on Earth means humans is tiny. And then if you look at technology, the modern world where we created all this, all this garbage, that's really, really tiny. It's happened in a very short time. And if you just get things in perspective, you realize, hey, this is not the first time we've had a mass extinction. Look what happened to the dinosaurs. They all went away. So we have examples in the past of mass, mass extinctions. This time we're the reason. And it's pretty stupid because it's a self-destructive reason. It's like we are the ones calling uh, rock from space to wipe us out. It's like, why the hell would we do that? And it's mm, mostly because we're ignorant and we're thinking about our own tiny-ass lives. I think everybody, if we all started thinking a little bit bigger and and realized that the earth is not infinite and it's something that, you know, it's like our backyard and that cleaning our backyard isn't that hard. After all, you know, one person could clean their backyard and be done with it. And cleaning up a city would require, if everybody cleaned their backyard, we'd clean up the city in no time. Mm. And if every city cleaned up their their backyard we would clean up the whole world in no time if that's what everybody decided to do it's a decision it's the decision that we don't make and it's the determination that we don't have
1: I love it yeah it's that whole society's a race between utopia and disaster and as we can all kind of choose to go one direction versus the other then we could all very quickly like if like how quickly everything changed with covid right everyone decided everything shut down and then because nobody drove a lot of the air got cleaner a lot of, we all made a group collaborative decision mostly based out of fear and our own self-preservation to shift and so if we can make that shift before it becomes too late then you know we save us from ourselves
0: is one of us lemming's going to say hey you know what that's a cliff let's not run towards the cliff guys <laughs>
1: <laughs> what the hell there's something shiny go for it yeah there's, <laughs> there's, so question for you, you i mean you you've achieved a lot you've you've been on a, an awesome journey you have and you still but you still have these huge major missions bigger missions than i've ever heard of before at, at least all stacked together for yourself by setting these missions and after the heart attack and what is the holy grail for you for all of this like it gets you up and gets you money what what if you hit that flag in the sand what would make this all worth it for you
0: i i guess at the end of the day um if if um i left this place in a better shape than i found it like that would do it for me mm. you know that's that's basically what it is you know it's um, it's on a it's on a bad trajectory, and we. If I could turn that trajectory around, if it starts sailing in the right direction or in the instead of the wrong direction, uh, I will have achieved something. We will have achieved something. This is not this is not something that I'm going to accomplish. By the way, this is something that we, meaning all the people of the world, are going to accomplish. This is not a uh, yeah. I, <laughs> if I even if even if I. Had all the power in the way I was freaking Superman, I still wouldn't be able to do it. You know, there's just too much. It would. T- it takes all of us to do this.
1: That, I. That, that falls right into the second question I have about this. The question about this is, so being able to basically reflect at the at your deathbed or right before you go up or whatever it might be, being able to reflect back and saying that I, I made a meaningful change. I was able to kind of help nudge into the direction away from catastrophe, away from the cliff's edge. What is the dragon? What is a thing seemingly so, so big, so huge that it's gonna take a radical transformation to overcome?
0: Yeah, so <laughs> the dragon is us. Uh, the dragon is the is is the people in the world who who are making things worse, and I'm one of them because I fly planes, and I I eat fish or whatever it is. I mean, I'm part of the problem. We're all part of the problem. That's the dragon. But uh, what we need to do is we need to. The, first of all, the dragon has to become a little bit more intelligent. <laughs> you know. Collectively, so so we collectively have to become more intelligent, not as individuals. As individuals, we have very smart people, but uh, as a, you know, collective conscious, we still suck. You know, the collective conscious thinks about things like, like war and countries and religion being more important than anything or, you know, race or gender or all these Waste of time things that we that we think are so important when actually our survival is what's important. You know the, you know people say save the planet, the planet's going to do just fine without us, yeah, and 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 we know it. And and so maybe intrinsically we realize you know we're, we're we're kind of bad for the planet. So the planet's probably better without us, and that's why we're on this sort of uh, suicide mission for for mankind. Uh, I say, no, we can actually be good for the planet if we just wake up, you know, and this is, you know, a lot of people talk about indigenous wisdom. This is total indigenous wisdom because they, that's how they survive is by getting along with with nature and harmony without like upsetting the balance of nature. And here we are, we're just like totally, well, you know, where, where we are and where we're going and we all have to do our part and that's the point you know you you say is you know what can we as individuals do and you say well we can't do anything and the answer is if we keep on doing what we're doing <laughs> then we're the problem if we stop doing or, or go in a better direction or become just more efficient at it or uh, you know there's it's it takes very little uh to actually make them make a real change So if we all stop using fossil fuel for, uh, energy and transportation, that would be a big step. Yeah.
1: and and what you're talking about, this is this thing of humans are amazing when we work together and we're also super selfish (laughs) and it's finding that balance where we can all have the collaborative benefit and also have it individually benefit us as well. And that's what we're trying to get, get past our own individual selfish needs for the collaborative benefit of mankind.
0: You and have to think about that it. it's not about me, it's about we. Yeah. Everything is about we. We don't, uh, me doesn't exist without we. Yeah. And, and if we make we more important than me, then we have a chance.
1: Yeah, then we have a chance. And then we, are, we, are, we are both the villain and the hero of the story. There you go. I love it. And uh, Hank, I know you got to uh, boogie very quickly. We're coming towards the end of the the time that you have allotted. Um, This has been awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to let people know before you tell them how to find you or maybe find anything you want to point them in a direction of?
0: Well, okay. so my mission was, uh, when I found it, was to end the use of carbon-based fuel. It's one of my missions, my first mission. Um, I would like every one of you and your listeners to find a mission it doesn't matter what it is, but say I am going to do this in my lifetime. doesn't matter what it is put that put that goal out there, give yourself a deadline and 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 then start working towards that mission but keep that mission in, in in the back of your mind and you can pick your own mission. I don't I'm not asking you to pick mine. you have to pick up the mission that you think the thing that you think is wrong with the world go fix that. And if you have money, spend your money on that. And if you are smart, use your intelligence on that. And if you have time, use your time on that. So we all have our part to play.
1: Nice. I love that. Yeah, it's just what can you do with what you got? And uh, if people wanna get a if people want to find out about your foundations, um, I know you have that. How do they how do they do that? So, my newest
0: foundation is called the Blue Planet Alliance, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. blueplanetalliance.org. And basically, it's all about getting countries to have mandates. We flipped, uh, so far this year, uh, Palau, uh, Tonga, and Tuvalu. But we want to flip all the rest of the countries in the world. So, if anybody out there has any idea about how to do that, ping us at uh, blueplanetalliance.org. The alliance is the alliance of everybody in the world who's working towards fixing this planet. That's mm-hmm. the alliance. so uh, find, your, find your own mission and you're part of the alliance. So uh, all the NGOs that are joining us, we, we sign a, an MOU, Memorandum of Understanding. We say uh, that we agree to work together to create a world in which humanity and nature live in harmony. That's the ultimate goal. That's a, so, that's a
1: beautiful. Yeah, that ancient wisdom being with, you know, with the use of our our technology bringing it all together. I love it.
0: Oh, we're going to win this battle by the way. We are totally going to win this. There's no doubt in my mind that we are going to we're going to uh not only survive, we're going to thrive. Yeah. And we're going to build back nature. We're going to build back the garden of Eden. That's what's going to happen. Oh, it's,
1: it's beautiful. Hank thank you so much for your time brother it has been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show i appreciate you all that you do the missions that you keep and for inspiring other young adventurers on their own personal journey so i appreciate you thank you me. i'll see you on the other side take care now all right take care bye bye
0: thank you for listening to the heroes of reality podcast check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes While you're there, you can also take the hero's quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.